It's time for episode 153 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, September the 8th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four topics about Apple's latest media event, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise. I'm Jason Snell, your co-host. We're going to talk about the Apple Media event on September 7th, just a day ago. Across the internet, for me as always, Mr. Dan Morin. Hello. Hi, Jason. It was, re- it was really great to see everybody yesterday and really get a chance to get hit. Wait. Oh, wait. D- did you see us on the live <laughs> stream? I'm on the wrong coast. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Well, I'll tell you, somebody who was there yesterday is the person who is now to my left on Clockwise. It's the Wirecutter's own and, of course, Dan's and my... Uh, former colleague at Macworld, Dan Frakes. Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you? It was nice to see everybody yesterday, except for you, Dan. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, to my left, another former coworker of ours from Macworld, staff writer Caitlin McGarry. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, the Apple event. So our four topics are going to be about the Apple event, the people who write in and say we talk too much about Apple. Skip this episode because it's just going to disappoint you. (laughs) You've been warned. And I thought we would start by talking about the iPhone 7. I'm curious. This is uh, obviously uh, the iPhone, probably the most important single product in the technology industry. And I'm curious. This is the new iteration. So what is your reaction? What what are your initial thoughts about the new iPhone? Are you excited? Do you find Apple's kind of constant iteration on products that are sort of familiar to be a little bit boring. I'm curious what your take is a day later about the iPhone 7. Dan Frakes, what do you think? Well, I think it's funny that a lot of us in the tech press, we forget that people don't all buy their phones every year, brand new um, upgrades. You know, most people are buying every two or three years, right? Or maybe even four. Um, And so, but I mean, if you look at what it was, yes, iteration, it's a, it's a, a minor upgrade in the grand scheme of things, but they took all the things that people really use and they made them better i mean it's the most popular camera in the world it's got better cameras people complain about battery life you get one or two more hours of use you know on a charge with a new one people worry about like you know water damage it's now water resistant and you know even things like we were talking at the wirecard yesterday that we're always surprised how many people use the phone speaker to listen to audio like whether it's podcasts or even just sitting at a desk so now it's got stereo speakers and it plays a lot louder i mean these are the kind of things where like They're not like wow things, but everything people use stuff for every day has gotten better. So if you've got a two or a three-year-old phone, I mean, it's a pretty big upgrade. Uh, You know, I went in thinking, I'm kind of on the fence about this, all the rumors of the headphone jack getting removed, and gosh darn it if, you know, I don't get into that reality distortion field about halfway through the presentation. This phone looks pretty nice. Um, You know, as someone who last year signed up for the iPhone upgrade program, I think the danger there is it makes it so easy to upgrade to the new thing because, you know, as I looked at it and was like specking out what I would get, uh, it would be basically for me the exact same monthly price that I'm paying now. Uh, And so it's essentially, I've got iPhone as a service, so I can pay a (laughs) monthly fee and I get a new phone every year. uh, And that that's kind of crazy. So, uh, and, and you know, I, I think the headphone jack obviously is the source of a, a, a big uh, dispute about this phone. And I think they did a pretty good job of messaging why that it's not as big a deal as you might think. The fact that they're including an adapter in the box, as well as providing lightning earbuds, even though those are things that I can't really use because Apple's earbuds don't work for me. Um, you know, I think it goes a long way to sort of mitigate that. I have Bluetooth headphones. I've been looking at buying some more Bluetooth headphones. Um, and, and, you know, just the improvements in the camera, 
the new display even, you know, that's sort of been tweaked. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here to like. So even if it does seem like a fairly minor upgrade, it's it's still clearly an upgrade to me. So I'm started leaning much more towards uh, probably going to get one of these when they come out next week. Yeah, I agree. I was on the fence um, before the event. I, you know, I wasn't sure how I would feel about it based on all the rumors. But I, it seems like a more significant upgrade than the success was. Um, the camera is obviously a huge deal. I think I might actually get the 7 Plus just for the, the two cameras, um, which is crazy because I hated the Plus when it came out. I thought it was way too big. Um, but now, you know, you get used to things. So I think people will get used to the lack of a headphone jack. Um, and I... I really do think it's it's a significant upgrade, a more significant upgrade than than it seems just on on first glance. So I I'm I'm impressed. I'm not gonna lie. I think Dan Dan Frakes's point is a good one that it is very easy to lose sight of the fact that the, that most people don't upgrade every year. And so by Apple, just kind of keep on rolling along. Uh, you look up after two or three years and it's a substantially improved phone. I do think number one, number one story of this phone is going to turn out to be battery life. The fact that they've got these two different banks of processor cores that will auto switch when you need performance and when you need to very carefully sip from the battery. Uh, so, you know, cause your phone needs to operate when it's working, when it's not shut off, it needs to run. And so now they've got a whole other set of processors cores that are super low power for those scenarios and then they crank it up to the other cores and as a result it's the most uh, quoted battery life by apple again it's apple's quotes but they tend to be consistent when they make those quotes of battery life it's the most that they've said that the uh that the iphone will have ever and uh i think that's like one of the most important features that people want people want a better camera and more battery life and this phone does deliver those so i don't know if i'm gonna upgrade or not but i'm definitely considering it and you you know, I don't generally use wired headphones with my iPhone anymore. And when I do, there's an adapter. I can I can deal with that. So I think it's the people who wanted a, a, a huge upgrade that blows you away. It's a totally new iPhone. Everybody wants that every year. It never happens every year. And uh, it didn't happen this year. Maybe next year. But in the meantime, they just kind of keep making everything way faster and improving their, their camera and this year battery life. So people who are upgrading from a 6 or a, or a 5 series are going to be, I think, perfectly happy all right uh next topic is dan frakes dan what do you have for us well we've mentioned the headphone jack but i think that topic has been kind of beat to death over the last couple months so instead i want to talk about the replacement um the airpods so the apple's new bluetooth wireless headphones um most in the tech media have said oh it's 160 dollars. that's outrageous but they're actually technologically they're pretty cool and i'm just curious um, given the demos Apple did, what's your favorite feature of these since they're so different from other Bluetooth headphones? You know, I, I think the the pairing to me is is going to be the biggest deal. Um, and in the past, uh, Bluetooth pairing has been kind of janky at times, kind of frustrating. It has improved, um, but, you know, a lot of times it feels like, you know, these are uh, because people are making sort of end runs around the way that they originally were, were, were talking about doing it. My personal favorite pairing thing right now is the Amazon Echo, which I can just say connect to my phone and it will just do it. Um, and so the idea of this whole sort of like, you know, pairing easily and then, you know, recognizing and finding your AirPods when you just open the little carrying case strikes me as a very smart, very Apple-like solution to that uh, and cutting through sort of the the Bluetooth pairing junk, I think, is uh, is a really good move on their part. Yeah, I, I thought the pairing was really impressive because it, it pairs to any of your devices that's logged into your, your iCloud account, right? That's how it works. 
Um, I, yeah. I think that's yeah. what I, I think uh-huh. that's yeah what I read, um, which is really cool and, and takes out that friction of of Bluetooth pairing, which is can be really annoying. Um, I also like how you can uh, you can double tap each pod if if you want to access Siri, which is um, pretty convenient. Like there's no uh, actual traditional buttons, um, which is a really a really nice way to to use Siri, especially now that Siri is about to get more useful with iOS 10. Um, and you can you know, say, turn up the volume without taking out your phone uh, to actually turn up the volume. So all of these little things, I don't know if that makes it worth $160, but they they seem just really impressive having not actually used them hands-on. Um, I, I think they seem pretty cool. Yeah, I was really impressed. I felt like this was the magic that Apple talks about and everybody rolls their eyes, but this was really it. Like, Apple is... I think uniquely positioned because of all of the things that it's it does and all the things that it's good at to build something like this. So many of the competitors in the in the headphones and earbuds space, you know, they they're not going to build their own custom silicon. They're going to pick something off a shelf and you know, they're going to they're going to maybe build a couple of things that are custom and then the rest of it's going to be stuff that they have to take off the shelf. And as a result, you know, they're all kind of samey. They're they're using various parts. And this is a case where, you know, Apple's able to control not just the hardware in the in the AirPods, but control the hardware and software on their devices, and uh, they they did. And this is the, in my mind, this is a, a quintessentially Apple product. This the, the I was impressed with it in the in the hands on area. The the fact that it senses when one is in your ear and goes to mono, and when you take uh, when you take one uh, out, it assumes that you're trying to listen to somebody, and it pauses the music and then plays it again when you put it back in. I mean, just like all of it felt. I mean again magical like it knows what the right context is for what i'm doing automatically when i take both of them out it switches back to the phone it doesn't keep playing to a bluetooth a set of bluetooth speakers that are i'm no longer listening to which is what other ones do so i was very impressed with it i think um it costs about what i spent for my wireless bluetooth earbuds so uh i don't even think it's it's not cheap but i don't think it's priced more than some comparable stuff that is actually less fancy and high tech than me. So I was impressed. I think I think they did a really great job with them. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed too. And I, I think my favorite feature that Caitlin touched on is that once you pair them with your phone, it automatically they automatically pair with every other device connected to your iCloud account, so your iPad, your Mac, whatever. Uh, I, I was joking with, with Jackie Cheng yesterday that um, my boss, that... Uh, I, I, I use Bluetooth headphones all the time, and I, and I use them with my iPad, my phone, my computer. But because of how crappy um, multiple device pairings are, so you can technically pair, you know, one headphone with your iPad and your iPhone. It's like you're listening to your iPad, and then you press something, or a notification comes in on your on your iPhone, and the Bluetooth headphones switch over. You know that kind of stuff. So I actually. Being the first world geek that I am, have a set of headphones for my iPad, one for my iPhone, and one for my computer because pairing works so badly, right? Yeah. So being able to just have one set that works seamlessly and switches to whatever one I, I, I'm using at the time, is that's a pretty cool feature. Okay, we it's halftime. We have two more topics left to go, but... 
first, let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Linode, a combination of high-performance SSD-based Linux servers. They've got eight data centers all around the world. It's a great solution for your server infrastructure. You, and I mean you personally, can get a server up and running in less than a minute. Plans start at just $10 a month. You can get your own server on the internet for $10 a month, and that includes two gigabytes of RAM. You can choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, choose your node location right from the manager tool, and you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with a few clicks once you're up and running. They offer industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest you can get in the cloud market, and access to a 40-gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. There's even an API that lets you easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And all of Linode's pricing tiers include hourly billing with a monthly cap. You won't have any ugly surprises, and that's for all plans and all add-on services like backups and node balance. So I have a plan and I have the add-on backup and I get a bill that is the same every month. It's never a surprise. It's great. Uh, So as a listener to Clockwise, you can sign up. Go to linode.com. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash clockwise. You'll support us and get $20 toward any Linode plan. There's a seven-day money-back guarantee. So have no fear. Linode.com slash clockwise or use promo code clockwise20 at checkout. You'll get to take advantage of that $20 credit. Thank you to Linode for supporting Clockwise. Okay, two topics down, two more to go. Dan Warren, what's your topic? Uh, well, obviously, as we said, every time Apple r- runs out or uh, brings out a new iPhone, they bring out improvements to the camera, and this time was no exception. But the highlight has to be the two dual camera uh, approach on the iPhone 7 Plus, which adds a telephoto lens uh, into the mix along with the more conventional lens. Uh, curious to hear your thoughts about that particular approach. Caitlin, what do you think? So as I was saying before, I... I think I'm going to get the 7 Plus this year because these two cameras just look so good. Like, I loved every feature they were talking about. Um, obviously, didn't get to see it up close, but everything I've, I've read and, and all the hands-ons that I've seen make it sound like the camera is really, really impressive. And, um, you know, I'm one of those people who uses my camera as my – or my phone as my main camera. Like, I was uh, – recently in Italy, and I had debated, you know, taking a a DSLR that I have, um, but decided it was too clunky. I didn't want to look like a tourist carrying this thing around all the time. I didn't want to carry a backpack. I just wanted, you know, a little bag and something to shoot photos with. So I relied on my phone and it was fine. I, I had wished that I had a better camera in my phone. And this seems to be exactly what I was looking for. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see it, and I like the um, you know the um, the portrait effect that's coming in the um, update later this year uh, with the the softened background and the sharper subject. Um, I think people will use that a lot. Like that's that's an effect that people love. So I think it's great. I uh, I. Th- I welcome our two camera future. I think that it will eventually <laughs> all of our devices are going to have uh, multiple uh, cameras on the back because they're so thin that the optics are, are problematic to do it. Otherwise, I, I'm this is a first step, right? I mean, what they're really doing here when it ships is basically having a, a switch over when you get to 2x zoom where it's now using the telephoto instead of the wide angle so that you get uh, a closer field of view without any digital zoom. And it does mean that because that's a 2x that 
that 5x digital zoom that they do is essentially a 10x digital zoom. So you can get in a lot closer on faraway stuff. Digital zoom is aren't great, but they're better than you know better than nothing, I suppose. Um, or you just crop it later. That's your other option instead of using the digital zoom. Uh, I think it's fine. Um, as Caitlin mentioned, there's this new software feature that's coming later that won't be there when you get the phone that allows you to do this sort of depth map thing where they figure out the person in the foreground and then they blur the contents of the background to make it look like an optical um, depth of field effect, even though it's actually all happening in software. I think that's cool. We've seen a lot of companies uh, show off the fact that once you've got multiple cameras, you can start doing incredibly interesting things in software in terms of uh, changing depth of field and uh, handling dynamic range differently and stuff like that. And I wonder if down the road, Apple's going to do more if they might try to do like a 3D effect if there are other things they can do with these two cameras but it's very clear that they, they, they don't even have the first effect which is this bokeh effect ready to go at ship date so I think there's going to be a lot more exciting stuff down the road whether it's on the 7 plus or future cameras that take advantage of smart software powerful processors and two cameras to do some more things on iPhones but for now it's a good start and uh, every time they improve the camera uh, makes me happy so uh, good job there yeah, I'm totally with Jason here. I think that, I mean, the iPhone is the most popular camera in the world, apparently. Uh, so anytime that they can make that better, it's the phone that most people use rather than an, or excuse me, the camera most people use rather than an actual camera. So anything you can do to make that better is is a win for everyone. Uh, and I think in this respect, Apple's kind of like, doesn't get the recognition it probably should on this front in terms of using software and processor and hardware to to make make really great cameras on phones um it's kind of like an afterthought that people talk about but it's one of the things that affects people's actual daily use more than almost anything else on the phone i think um but i i will say one thing that i'm excited about is related to the to the to the cameras is the uh, is the water resistance because I use my phone as my camera all the time except when I go on vacation with the kids because we're swimming we're at the beach we're in the ocean we're on the lake and I always bring like a waterproof camera with me because I don't want to get my phone wet and so the fact that I can now use my favorite camera in the water and not have to worry about it is actually a huge thing for me. I, you know, uh, what interests me about this is sort of the trend uh, that it's it's putting in evidence for Apple, which is this idea of different different tools for different jobs that they're better at, right? Like you can't make a telephoto lens really easily with the camera that was already there. It's just a physics problem, right? Like you can't get the right focal length. So, you know, hey, what are we going to do? Well, instead of giving you a, a crappier alternative, we're just going to build in a separate lens. It's sort of the same approach that we were just talking about with the multi-core processor approach. Well, we could just have more cores that are the same power but that doesn't solve a problem we need a specialized tool we need lower uh, you know higher efficiency cores that can do the same things without draining as much battery and it's the same approach they've taken for years now in the macbook pro uh, we have two sets of graphic chips one that consume more power but are you know better performance and ones that are suitable for most everyday tasks and don't drain as much stuff from the from the battery so in, the, in terms of the camera I, I think it's a really smart approach to sort of recognize the limitations of what they've already done and try to figure out a way around them and and, and, you know, there are times where I think we would have thought, wow, second camera, that seems really clunky, but they're so small and so easy to build in that people aren't really going to notice. And the effects are potentially so high and so good that I think that it's a, a major benefit. So I, I'm not a plus customer myself. I, I still find it a little too large for my everyday usage, but I'm intrigued to see that the uh, camera technology is does seem to trickle down. I'm, I'm really excited that the iPhone 7 has the optical image stabilization now that was only available on the plus models before. So I'm hopeful that perhaps 
you know, something from the dual camera approach will trickle down and make its way into the totally. midsize phone eventually. Uh, that's the end of the camera target th- topic. Thank you all for your uh, input on that one. Caitlin, what's our last topic today? So we saw Apple Watch Series 2 yesterday, and um, it looks basically exactly the same as Series 1, but it has um, some new features like GPS, um, it's swim-proof, so it's basically becoming more like uh, a well-rounded fitness tracker. Um, So I'm I'm curious if if Series 2 solved enough of the problems of Series 1 to make this one worth recommending to people because a lot of, you know, a lot of people were holding out to see what hardware improvements were coming um, to, to spend, you know, a few hundred dollars on this watch. Um, so I'm wondering what you guys think if, if this one is worth buying. I feel like this watch is designed for people who didn't buy the Apple Watch. I mean, other, uh, unless you're a swimmer, in which case uh, it's perfect. Uh, our uh, uh, Some of us have, know our, our uh, mutual friend, uh, Lisa, who is a swimmer and is ecstatic about this because uh, the old Apple Watch didn't speak to her because it was like, well, but my exercise is swimming and it doesn't do that. Well, now it does, right? But I think for most people, the idea here is this is for the next buyers of the Apple Watch. Uh, it, it, it's incremental better in a lot of ways so again you know it may be for the next the next million apple watch sales not the last people to upgrade and i think that's okay i think that's fine i think the gps thing is a nice pushing forward and there are people who rely on gps who who you know who are runners who don't take their phone with them and that that seems terrifying to me to that you're out on a trail somewhere and don't have a way to call if there's an emergency but people do that and uh so it's good for them because now they're going to be able to log their location and get accurate distance measurement but it also does feel like this is a step toward an eventual apple watch that also does the data they just can't do that yet cellular data so they'll get there um so as a original Apple Watch owner. Do I want this one? No, I don't swim and I take my phone with me everywhere. So I'm okay as it is. But I think people are going to like this. Uh, the feeling that Apple is, uh, the feeling that it's stable, it uses the same bands, it looks the same, I think actually is going to help too, because there was a lot of skepticism about the Apple Watch of like, oh, you know, in a year, they're going to make a completely different one. And here it is two years later, and it still looks pretty much the same. And I think maybe that going into the holidays, that'll make people feel more comfortable. Plus, now there's a cheaper one because they've got the Series 1, which is not the original despite the fact that they sort of said it was, because it is faster. That's strange. Uh, But that's going to be out there, and that's cheaper now, too. So um, I think this is all about just expanding the number of people who are using Apple Watch, as well as focusing a little more on fitness in their message, which I think is a smart thing, because that original Apple Watch event two years ago was super unfocused. It was like, what can it do? And like, it's good at fitness. That's a good message to send. Yeah, I mean, Apple has said for the last... Since it came out, uh, they've made it clear that fitness and health are are big focuses for the for the Apple Watch, and um, so I think what they did here is they took a look around it at people who weren't using it, like Jason said, for fitness, and said, "What do we need to add?" And two of the biggest complaints were, "It's not waterproof." And I have to bring my phone with me if I want accurate uh, GPS location because you could do location, but it was really rough and and coarse if you didn't have a phone with you. So they've added those things in. And I know a good number of people just at my office where I'm working who've said, I think I'm going to buy an Apple Watch now who wouldn't have even considered it in the past because back then a year ago, it was basically just a wrist computer. Now it's it could be a replacement for a lot of fitness bands and, and, and exercise um, accessories. So, so I think... 
Apple's clearly said, what did we need to do to make this more appealing to people and, and added those. And then the other big, big complaint people have had is, is speed. And watchOS 3 is going to help with that a lot, but I think making it faster so that people actually use third-party apps um, instead of giving up on them are pretty big changes. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm interested in it the, because of these, like, you know, the, the waterproofing stuff is obviously a, a big marquee feature. I don't think I'll upgrade, just as Jason said, I don't swim and the GPS thing is is nice, but not a huge big deal for me. And And I think that, the you know despite the series 2 moniker here this feels more like a like a series 1.5 in some ways although maybe that's the old watch with the new processor in it so um the it's more of an incremental upgrade and i think especially with the benefits conferred by watch os 3 you're going to get a lot more out of even the original watch um so for me uh, i feel like you know I, there's not a compelling reason for me to upgrade right now i'm glad that they did rein in the messaging a lot um, because it, it prevented it presented a much more focused look at what this is good for and who is who are the customers for it. Uh, and sure, it still does all that other overwhelming stuff that they talked about in the first place. Um, but they didn't necessarily have to, you know, those are almost like table stakes, right? Like fitness is sort of the main course. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm not in the market to upgrade, um, but I will look in, in look on an interest to see what happens when the Series Three comes around eventually. Yeah, I think you guys. Are all um, are all right? Like honing in on fitness um, is is huge. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna upgrade, but I do love the GPS. I'm a runner, um, so not having GPS is kind of problematic. Um, I don't I don't usually run without my phone, but I I might if I if I upgrade to the second um, to series two. Um, and I test a lot of fitness trackers, and uh, once I test out series two, I'll, I'll know for sure. But with these new features, I feel like the Apple Watch is going to be the best, if not in the top two or three fitness trackers on the market right now. I mean, it has heart rate, it has GPS, it's swim proof, it has onboard music storage, um, and and it does all of these other things. Like you can send messages to people, you can you know make calls if you want. Like these are secondary features if you're using it as a fitness tracker, but no, you know, few other fitness trackers can do that. So, um, I, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's worth buying if you're, if you're a fitness fan and, and you haven't bought one yet. So, so that's four topics. Jason, do we have just enough time for a bonus topic? We do. And our bonus topic this week is brought to you by HelpSpot. If you deal with any kind of customer support, you need HelpSpot. It's the most comprehensive and flexible help desk software around. You can let your customers reach you however they choose. Email, web, phone, it doesn't matter. HelpSpot is the central place for all your customer support needs. You can turn disjointed email exchanges into meaningful conversations with your customers. Get a quick view of any trends relating to your support requests. How about real-time reporting to see exactly what's happened with your support? It's got all you need. They can even help you create an easily uh, easily create a self service portal to give all your customers all the knowledge base articles they need. Two, it's a service they can host for you, or you can run HelpSpot on your own servers. You get source code access for custom branding, direct SQL access to write custom reports. It's the best value in customer service. They're committed to giving you unrivaled value for your hard earned money. It includes uh, they 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 work for startups, they work for Fortune five hundred companies, they work for ID departments, call centers, customer ser- service support groups. 
They're able to easily manage customers that get a few requests a day or enterprise clients with 500 email boxes receiving millions of support emails. No matter where you are or how big you grow, they will be there to help lighten the burden of customer support. They've been doing this for more than 12 years and they're free for up to three users and super inexpensive for larger teams. And you'll get 10% off for life when you use the code clockwise when you sign up. So go to helpspot.com slash clockwise to start a trial today or sign up for a free one-on-one demo to learn more about how HelpSpot can serve your support team. Thank you so much to HelpSpot for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, bonus topic time. As we record this today, it is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And I was just curious, have you seen Star Trek? Do you like Star Trek? And if you do like Star Trek, what's your favorite Star Trek show or movie? Dan Frakes? I've never been a huge Star Trek fan. I, I appreciate it on an academic level. I've probably seen all the movies and many of the episodes, but I've just never gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, I can name this episode and what happens. So more of a more of a Vulcan studies kind of level. The academic, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of. So I, I should say I do have a picture of me and Jonathan Frakes together. Yes, yeah, right. You know? That's right. There's our Star Trek connection. <laughs> you guys aren't related, but but you share the same last name, Commander Riker. TV's Commander Riker. My biggest Star Trek memory, honestly, is that throughout the '90s, whenever I wrote a check, I was asked if I was related to him. So. <laughs> How lucky for you. Good times. Also writing checks in the 90s. Yes, mm, right. Those were the days. <laughs> I, I've been a fan since I was a kid. Watched most of The Next Generation. My favorite series is Deep Space Nine, as Jason well knows. My favorite episode from there is In the Pale Moonlight, which is a really, really great episode. But I like many other versions of Star Trek as well. All right. Caitlin, you, you, you don't. Have you seen Star Trek? <laughs> I have. I've actually seen a lot of Star Trek. I just like Dan Frakes. I just it doesn't stick. Like, I don't remember details from many of the episodes. I mean, I remember watching like The Next Generation and, and Deep Space Nine. And, you know, I'm obviously a huge Patrick Stewart fan. And I've seen I think I think all of the movies I've seen, but I just don't remember anything. <laughs> that's no, that's that's good. I was worried when you said uh, before we started that that you had no answer to Star Trek, but you you know you pulled I out know. like big Patrick Stewart, and that's all good. That's all good. I I grew up with the original series, so it, that holds a special place in my heart. Um, the Captain Kirk and Mister Spock and all of that, and, uh, and Next Generation was my uh, college tv show and everybody would gather in the in the college uh, apartments and dorms and watch those uh, those so but the original series captain kirk it's it's still my favorite i can't i can't change it's it was burned on my brain when i was like four years old so anyway <laughs> happy 50th to star trek all right uh, we've reached the end i think that that's it just time to thank our guests for being here dan frakes it was a pleasure seeing you yesterday and thanks for being on clockwise today of course anytime caitlin mcgarry thank you so much for coming back on thanks for having me and that's it we will be back next week with another exciting edition of clockwise that probably won't be four topics about one thing that apple did but you never know <laughs> but until then we remind you as always watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody bye